Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And welcome to Five Yards Per Pass, your New England Patriots one-stop shop for news and analysis as we head to the Super Bowl once again. Not really. It's Three Yards Per Carry. (laughs) And I have Simon Clancy here, and I have Chris Kaufman here, and we are brought to you by the great folks at AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. Okay, guys, this is getting pretty old. These guys (laughs) keep doing this crap every single year. This time they do And you know what else Super you know what else happens every year though? What? Remember remember the podcast where we started off with like a funeral dirge? Yes. <laughs> I was gonna like, do that. I was gonna do that for this week. I, I just uh, I didn't have the heart to I don't. <laughs> to do it again because like come on, how many times am I gonna do that? You know, like every year. Every yeah. year we're gonna do that. Every single happens. year. Until it happens. This time they managed to do it after they lose a Super Bowl which is usually a death knell for everybody else, but not for these people. No, no. no. Tom Brady throws an interception that, for all intents and purposes, ended the game. I celebrate, and I see that there's a little yellow thing on the bottom of the lower third on my TV Ugh. set, and I'm like, something happened. They held. But the worst thing was as well, Tony Romo, it was the only thing Tony Romo got wrong. He, yeah. said it, he, he said the Patriots, it was a false start as well, and I was just jumping around thinking – yeah, fuck you. You're not fucking getting to Super Bowl, <laughs> you fucking bastards. 
And then D Ford lines up offside, the massive prick. And once uh, Tony Romo called it that it was the Patriots, I was like, I mean, that's it. Because Tony Romo has never got anything wrong since he misplaced that hold in the, in the wildcard game about 15 yes. years ago. <laughs> I mean, he was absolutely on fire at the weekend. And then he screws this up just uh, to fucking spite me. <laughs> the Chiefs scored 31 points on 32 plays in the second half. How do you lose? How is that possible, uh, Chris? That's that's incredible, and you know what? That I mean, everybody's talking about. You know, we have to look at the the overtime rules, and you can't have a great quarterback. I, this is about ratings, right? And it's yeah. not so much. I know some people are like, you know what? Just play some defense, and and I get that. But this is about ratings, and well, ratings. Up a they, touchdown, Chris! Like Jesus Christ, man! Oh, I know. Well, that's a that's a terrible defense. We've talked about that many times. But um, yeah. but you can't the, you can't have a rating. you can't have a playoffs. Exactly, you can't have a, a system where only one team touches the ball. Exactly. That's, you can't, you can't have just the most electric quarterback in the league, the MVP, just never even touch the ball in overtime. But also, yeah. even if it was even if it was Nate Peterman, he still, <laughs> you know, and but it's true, Peterman still deserves to ch- to touch the ball. And as much as I would have liked, that's Peterson, how the other team can actually have the rare yeah. double score in overtime. Like but as much as I would rather, that? yeah, no, absolutely. But as much fourteen as points in overtime. <laughs> As much as I'd rather the Patriots be knocked out, it would also have been unfair if KC had got the ball first, driven down the field uh, and scored. I mean, remember a a couple of years ago when uh, Arizona, when Aaron Rodgers had those two ridiculous, the the fourth and 20 to Jeff Janis to midfield Mm -hmm. and the Hail Mary that Janis caught over Pat Peterson, took it to overtime. Uh, Arizona win the coin toss. The very first play in overtime is that mad play where Carson Palmer scrambles around, runs into the back of his right tackle, then hits Larry Fitzgerald down to the five. And two plays later, Fitzgerald scores, and it's game over. And Rodgers never gets on the field. I just think it's ludicrous to have a system. And people say, oh, the Chiefs had three chances on third and ten. I mean, the defense have been on the field for... I mean, they're more exhausted. No wonder they couldn't get them off the field. And the fact they couldn't get them off the field has no relevance to the fact that they shouldn't still get one chance to have the ball. It's ludicrous. Yeah, Russ Tucker on Twitter had a very interesting tweet where he, he put out the numbers, and the numbers are pretty clear. The winner of the overtime coin toss in the NFL wins the game 52.7% of the time. In college, it's 54.9% of the time. But that doesn't matter. No, of course it doesn't. This could be solved so easily. All you could do is this. Whoever gets the ball first, if there's a defensive touchdown, sorry, that's game over. You don't get the yeah, ball twice. Absolutely. Okay? But if you drive it down the field and you score a touchdown, well, guess what? Now you kick off, and now you need a touchdown. If not, the game is over. But also, I think you should be forced to – I think in overtime, you should be forced to go for two. You go for two from the two-yard line. Let, let's, say, yeah. let's say it was New England against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. as it was on Sunday. New England score with the touchdown with uh, Whitefella. Um, they should have to go for two. Let's say for argument's sake, they get it from the two-yard line where they nor- normally do. Now KC gets the ball. They have one drive. They score a touchdown. They have to go to, for two from the two. They get it as well. So we go to another, over, uh, another drive. If the Patriots get it, go down the field, score a touchdown, they have to go from t- for two again. But you move it five yards further further back so it goes from the two to the seven they don't get it let's say for argument's sake it gets knocked down KC score a touchdown they have to go for two from the seven five yards back and they score win the game I mean it's very simple everybody gets the ball everybody goes very happy it's like having the world cup final or the world cup semi-final between Argentina and Brazil and you get to you get to extra time you get to the penalty shootout and it's 2-2 and the whole world is watching and then all of a sudden there's an announcement that I'm really sorry guys but only Brazil are going to take the penalty kicks. Argentina aren't allowed any. <laughs> I mean, 
it's it's ludicrous. And anybody that argues, oh no, they had a child. Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. Fuck All off. All right. Now that game didn't have much controversy. It was pretty much straightforward. The Patriots. I thought that was controversial. Yeah, I, I mean, thought there was loads of controversy in that game. Well, it's I thought the, it's the I, thought the I thought the punt with the. I mean, I don't know how they could overturn the, the punt that did it touch. I don't think there was enough evidence to show convincingly that Edelman didn't that it didn't touch his hand or didn't yeah, touch absolutely. his. You know, uh, yeah, that's, that's key a, because they called right, right at on the, the ground. Field, right at the on, ground, I thought it touched his finger. Yeah, on so the field, I. well, it's very. It's entirely possible that it never touched them. But yeah, on 100%. the field, they called it. They called that it did touch him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't. You can't overturn it and say there's incontrovertible proof that it never touched him. When yeah. in my opinion, if on the field, his index finger on the ground or not. Yeah. If on the field they had called that, no, he did not touch it, and then you, we see that replay, I would have been fine with. Yeah. Okay. You know, he didn't touch it. And it's stupid because it's millimeters anyway, whether it touched exactly. him or not. It was. It's no matter what. It's still a muff. I, I mean, just don't think there was irrefutable evidence to, to overturn. Yeah, oh, I mean, for somebody of Edelman's experience, yeah. anywhere near that ball, yeah, he ridiculous. screwed up big time, and he, and, and he was, got away with it big time, and he got away with it on on overturning the replay. I mean, it was called on the field like like he screwed up, and he did screw up, and then you know, if we're talking about the spirit of the the whole thing, then you know, they're they're basically called it on the field like he just screwed up and muffed the play, which he did. He absolutely did. So, I mean, you go ahead and reverse it on replay because you know, you think that it didn't, it, it probably didn't touch his finger on the ground or, you know, something like, I, I don't know. But I, I think the, the overtime thing that was controversial also that what, what was it that guy like, he just basically swatted his hand down and barely grazed the face mask or, or you know, oh the chris james the chris oh that Brady's was terrible face. oh that how, was awful how does cleet how cleet blakeman's a really good rep how does cleet yeah. blakeman call that he can't see that and terry <sighs> mccauley came on the tv oh, was it was it terry mccauley or was it gene mm-hmm. steratore one of the two came on the tv and said you know um he he, he was never gonna be able to see that so i you know and you just think of course you're not going to see it because he he's not looking he's looking at the back of brady's head not the front yeah. of his face it clearly didn't touch his face at all. It didn't touch his face mask. Didn't touch his helmet. That was a ridiculous call. That was a ridiculous call. Now, let, so now egregious. Let's be, let's be fair about this. The officiating was pretty bad, mostly you know against the Kansas City Chiefs. But there was mm-hmm. one play in particular. My God, that pick play to Sammy Watkins. Like yeah. they don't see that. Like, who doesn't I, see that play? I don't know. I I but I. I, I see that pick play all the time, and it goes yeah. on. This, was, this one was a We had the same trip. thing happen to us. Corderell Patterson, that touchdown that he had, you know. Quite, yeah, that one should have been called, too. On Xavier Howard, <laughs> you know, which wasn't. I mean, it was it was a pick play just like that, and it wasn't called. I mean, it was – and everybody's, oh, no, you read the rules. It's, 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 it's right, you know. And it's – okay, well, the teams are getting away with this in the NFL. The Patriots are getting away with this – all the time in the NFL, they they run half their offense off of pick off of picks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, so yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I don't mind that, but in, in this case, you, with the the overtime rules, so that Patrick Mahomes never touches the ball, he's the MVP of the league, yeah. and this is still a ratings driven league. So you you want that to happen. You want the perception of fairness that that both of these star quarterbacks got their chance. And uh, he never got a chance. And and I, I I have to say though, going forward, you know, obviously Casey w- is kind of a young team to be in the position they were in um, in this game. 
And so going forward, I think their outlook is looking good because that last, what was it, 32 seconds? And Patrick Mahomes needs to drive all the way down the field to get a field goal? 39 seconds, and they did it in 30, actually 32. So. Yeah, and, and that was incredible, right? Yeah, that so was that that was answering the bell, and, uh, and and so they should have been able to take that momentum into overtime, which they didn't. Which they you know what that reminded me of? You know what that reminded me of? And we're gonna move off this game, and we're gonna talk about the other game, which had an mm. even worse moment. But you know what that reminded me of? It reminded, it reminded me of Dan Marino. Like, has there been a quarterback since Dan Marino, maybe Aaron Rodgers, that has the arm talent where? Oh. You're backed up, and you need about. Remember, I, I, we were we were tweeting. Uh, we well, we weren't tweeting. We were on the WhatsApp chat, and I told you they need 29 yards. The yeah. very next play was a 29 yard completion. <laughs> yeah, I got and, one play. Yeah, and and I was looking at. It, I was like, okay, there's only 16 seconds left, but they need 29 yards for for them to feel good about this field goal. So it could be at 40 yards. You know what I mean? They get 29. It, his arm is just it's it's uncanny he makes every throw it's like it's like he's playing madden out there and i think dan marino that's who that is yeah mahomes is a little bit more mobile dan marino the, the way he makes it look easy and uncanny is yes. is very marino like i agree um but also let's give it up for rogers especially early in his career uh mm. he made yes. I mean, he was uncanny about the things that he could do with his arm too and uh, and he made he made throws a lot like the ones that you're seeing Patrick Mahomes make. He didn't do. I mean, Patrick Mahomes took it to another level, right, with these no look passes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, incredible. That's that's, that's different. That's just and a he different. He did another thing. one. He did another one in this game, and it was actually perfect. Yeah, it'll be intriguing. Perfect. Intriguing to see how Rogers bounces back this year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, he's not done. I mean, I think he's close no. to being done. Um, well, the but, Chiefs yeah. didn't get cheated. I wouldn't say they got cheated. You know, it was kind of controversial. But you could flat out say that the Saints got cheated. Oh, my God. Simon, you saw that. Yeah, I mean, your can thoughts, you imagine being, Your thoughts on that can, last sequence. Can you imagine being a Saints fan after the past – I mean, if I – God, if that was the Dolphins, imagine losing the Minneapolis Miracle the year before and then to that, <laughs> to that play to Tommy Lee. I mean, I mean, uh, how what, – what I thought was interesting was Peter King saying in his column for NBC on Monday that – um, essentially, that was the death knell for Al Riveron in terms of you know his career as the the NFL's head of officiating, because oh, yeah. you know you, you can't survive that. Yeah, there's no way you can survive that. And the fact that the NFL had to come out and admit the fact that Riveron was on the phone to Sean Payton within 20 minutes of the end of the game to apologise to say that you know the guys blew it. I mean, the, mm. uh, look, that 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 the the two guys who who blew that playoff didn't mean to do it. They didn't mean to get it wrong. Nobody sets out to do things wrong. They certainly are obviously prideful in their jobs, and they're in the they're in the NFC Championship game officiating crew for a reason because they've had great seasons. But unfortunately, it's the worst, probably the worst call in the biggest game since the Tuck game involving the Patriots and the, and the Ravens, uh, the Raiders back in two thousand and one. Was it two thousand one, two thousand two? I can't think of another more egregious call at that point. You know, it, not only was it, I mean, I think there were two calls there. One was pass interference. The other was essentially targeting a defense, you know, hitting a defenseless receiver. Yeah. That's what Tommy Lee Lewis was. And, the, you know, give full credit to, to the, uh, to the um, Rams defensive back who went into the locker room and said, I mean, I totally hold my hands up. I thought it was 
I thought he was going to score, and I just whacked his ass. He said, <laughs> "You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know how you miss it." And I, I yeah, but, uh, the guy did an interview. The guy did an interview, and Josina Anderson asked him, uh, "What was he thinking on the play? Like giving him an out, like it, like he was trying to make a play?" And he flat out said, uh, "No, I thought he, sc- he was going to score on me. I thought it was, I thought it was a touchdown, and I went to go hit him." I thought it was classless of, of Sean McVeigh to say it was a bang-bang play afterwards. I, I didn't like that from McVeigh at all. I think he I was thought just he hold- lying. <laughs> well, I just think, but he seems like a classy guy. I think you just hold your hands up and say, you know what, we got away with one. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate for Sean. It's unfortunate for the city of New Orleans, for the great fans, because the atmosphere in the stadium was amazing. You know, I, I, I can't really say anything else because, you know, I don't want to get fined by the league. But, you know, if that had been me, I would have been as bitterly disappointed as Sean is. I, th- I think that's all you have to do. You know, the Todd Gurley Instagram thing where he's holding up the referees. I mean, it was hard not to laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I mean, I'd have been, I'd have been fucking furious. You know, what's, you know what's that. really, really bad? Uh, we know that players and, and coaches choke because we've seen it before, but referees do choke too. And there yeah. is a view, and it was all over, it was all over Twitter, of a fan taking a like a, a video of that play from the stands mm. from the stands that actually looks worse than it did on the field because so, the referee is right in line with it. he's right he's in line with the ball how can i i, I, I don't know that, those are one of those plays where the referee just stood there and said oh my god i have to call something here why am i not calling it i'm frozen <laughs> but look at the um, somebody oh, slapped me at, so i could wake up look at the two calls uh, and they're not really calls but look at the do you remember about two years ago? But actually, both these calls happened in both these plays happened in Dallas. So two years ago, when Green Bay drove down the field at the end, and Rogers had that third down, where he sort of semi-rolled out and then rolled out again, and then hit the tight end, and now faces the Raiders down the sideline for like thirty-five yards, and he just managed to get his foot in bounds. Do you remember that? Yes. And then and then Mason Crosby kicked the game winner, and. Everybody was like, he's out of bounds, he's out of bounds. But the, the one official ruled it inbounds as a catch. And on replays, it was clear that he got both feet down. You just think the, the amazing ability of, of that person's eyes to be able to see ball, you know, both feet inbounds, and get and that right. get, you know, to get that right. And then there was a catch in the playoffs this year that Doug Baldwin made against Dallas. Remember that fourth down catch over the shoulder, down about the 10-yard line that Russell Wilson threw, where he got both feet in bounds. And the guy came over and called it a catch straight away. And you're like, no way did he get his feet in bounds. And on replay, again, Baldwin does an incredible... How they can call that, you know, when it's lich, that is bang, bang. When you're getting feet down, keeping hold of the ball, when you're right on the sideline, you've got somebody on top of you and you're going full speed. How you can call that and yet you can't call Tommy Lee Lewis being hit by a Mack truck three seconds before the ball arrives. <laughs> I mean, I just find that astonishing. Yeah. I just what I don't find get it is I don't mind being a stickler, a stickler for the rules, but these guys do conferences all the time. There's a flag on the field all the time. Mm, and you true. Right. do conferences and they try to figure it out and then they, they make a call. It. Yep. There are I also think. instances where there is no flag on the field. And mm-hmm. the conference, and then they throw the flag. That's right. Somebody needed to have the balls in that refereeing crew to call that conference to say, yo, guys, come over here. Okay. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, you're crazy for not calling this. You're crazy for not if, calling them. <laughs> okay, if I were you, get that yellow flag, especially you since you were closer to the play, and throw it right now on the, fleet, on the field. And then we'll call pass interference. Or we'll call helmet to helmet. But we'll call Anyway, something. our lives pretty much now revolve around Jared Goff. Because I can't take another <laughs> fucking Patriots. I can't. Uh, to, to me, Todd Gurley, I guess. But yes. I, I, yeah. I, 
I don't know that I think Jared Goff is going to, you know, be the hero of the moment. I mean, maybe, who knows? But um, I mean, the one thing about the Rams, yeah, there's a team that is and those built. interior defenders on the uh, on the Rams defensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Aaron Donald and Sue. And, uh, 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 and Sue. Yeah. If there's I mean, a team that's built to beat the Patriots, it's the yeah. Los Angeles Rams. Because we know from prime example, because we've been probably the only team consistently to be able to do it, is that interior pressure that Brady sure. does not like. Yes. You know, and it's hard to get the ball out very, very quickly. I mean, you know, my one concern for the Rams is I, I don't think their defensive backfield is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Tlaib and Peters are both healthy, I mean, they've mm-hmm. got the team to beat. They've got the team to beat the Patriots. They can beat the Patriots, but it's whether or not it's, this game comes down to coaching more than any other, because I think they match up pretty well in all areas. I think and this I, is going to be designed on coaching. We have firsthand knowledge of what Ndamukong Sue can do when he's, when he's on it, you know, and just, yeah. just really, really locked in. And this is going to be the most locked in game of his. I would never accuse him of being the guy that would show up to the big game, the biggest game, the Super Bowl, and choke. And have a bad game. That's no. not him. That's never been him. And he I has think been magnificent the these last two weeks, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the opposite. He's going to be more locked in. You're going to see the best Sue that you've ever seen. Mm. And I think that and he's been great in the playoffs this year. As and well. he has been. Yeah, he has already been. So, so I mean, he's going to be on it. Aaron Donald is going to be on it. Um, and and that's that's what it's going to take. It's going to have to take those two guys. And then on offense, I think. I think, you know, we say talk about Jared Goff and that passing attack, but I think that if you want to beat the Patriots, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up running through them with mm. Todd Gurley and, um, and with C.J., you know, the renewed attack with C.J. Anderson. I think that that's how it's going to be. And I don't know, I don't know that I see it being like this 40 to 43 high-scoring mm. affair. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's what it's going to have to be. I was just – say that you know we we talked about this earlier it would just be so poetic if this whole patriot era started with a rams patriots super bowl where the patriots came up and upset the rams and you know it kicked off this long era of patriot reign and it ended with a rams patriots super bowl where the rams beat them (laughs) and uh, and then that's it you know bill belichick hangs up his hangs up his uh you know hangs it up and uh and so does tom brady and and here's a question for you would you take a new england win and all the terrible shit that comes with that if it meant that brady and belichick retired after the game absolutely they couldn't win 75 to nothing for all i care if they're gone Yes, please be. That's gone. tougher for me. That's tougher. Yeah, I, I, I would. I'd, ha- I'd happily let them continue if they lost. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, because because you know how much longer can they go anyway? And about exactly. Four years, Chris. And I fucking <laughs> did you see that Instagram video that Brady put up with uh, him and Gronkowski? It's just like fuck off and die. You're such an asshole, and you're 43. You twat. Don't be uh, on Instagram like that. Doing? There was a pass, by the way, in the second quarter where Brady just took a seven-step drop and threw a dime, 24 yards. Right over the middle. Right over the middle to Edelman. That's when, when, you, see him, when you see him drive it really well. I mean, it's yeah, usually yeah. A like that. I mean, but, but it is, you like, know. Like, how the hell is this guy doing it? I, I mean, the, throw, the throws he made on the overtime drive to Edelman were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, and it's, it is ridiculous watching him play. I wonder what price – both teams after the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you where you can find out. Bet the SI. 
they have been our partners pretty much throughout the season and they've kept re-upping with us like like they do in Baltimore on the wire because I am essentially reading it and they love an English voice. You probably can't get a bet on uh, how many English people have read a Bet DSI uh, um, advert, but you can get, I'm sure, a bet on the Super Bowl. Normally, I'd say the NCAA and NFL seasons are well underway, but frankly, there's one game left and that's it. But go heavy on the Rams because they are going to win, definitely. You can bet on your phone. They've got an excellent mobile interface. They've been working for 20 plus years trying to get this thing right, and they have been. And we've had people contact us throughout the year going, oh, I didn't know anything about Bet DSI. But now we are using them. You can get $2,500 for free when you deposit now and start winning. Double your money right from the get-go. And realistically, it's not just football. It's baseball. It's the NCAA. It's the NBA. It's UFC. It's eSports. It's the Premier League. It's pretty much anything you could think of. And you can bet on games in play whilst they're underway with their live betting. There's a promo code, okay? Yards101. That's us, Yards101. Use the promo code. Get in the action get paid don't stand on the sidelines or whatever it is that you do when the games are on bet now using betdsi.com so boys we know a little bit more now just a little bit more little bits of information are coming out obviously the patriots winning means that we don't yet have an announcement on a head coach but we found out a little bit more information about the kind of guys that brian flores is going to bring in and the one name that stands out the one name that has been essentially confirmed is Patrick Graham, the uh, long-time Patriots assistant, worked in a number of different positions, then went to the Giants and helped improve JPP and Snacks Harrison, uh, and then went to the Packers uh, as their run game coordinator, defensive run game coordinator, and inside linebackers coach, where he worked very closely with Kenny Clark, who's developing into one of the best young defensive tackles in the league, or in fact, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, not just young defensive tackles. Um, Blake Martinez, who's played very well against the run. Um, what do we think about this? It seems like an interesting hiring. I spoke to a couple of people around the Packers this week. Uh, there was some disappointment with the fact that he was leaving very well respected, very highly regarded. They talked about the fact that because he's a black guy, unfortunately he hadn't probably progressed as much as people would have thought, colour of his skin, that sort of bullshit that unfortunately seems to pervade around sport. Um, but interesting hire. Um, what do you think about the guy? Well, I, I would say, first off, the fact that he's sort of an insider. I mean, I, I think about this almost in, in business and, and stock evaluation terms. It's like insider Trade insiders time. on the board. So, uh, but this is, this is a bit of an insider for, uh, for Flores. And, and so that, that automatically kind of raises my hackles a little bit. Is he the most qualified for the job? But at the same time, this is Brian Flores. He's a defensive guy, mostly. Um, and he's going to have oversee a defense that is installed in Miami that is probably going to approximate a lot of the approaches that they had in New England and uh and so to some extent you have to accept that these guys are going to get their people to help especially if they're if they're focused on a little bit more focused on one side of the ball like an offensive guy like Adam Gase is going to get some of his people a defensive guy like Brian Flores is going to get some of his people I just think that you can go overboard with it and I think that you start to go overboard with it when the guys on the other side of the ball are all your guys too um and so are all guys that you know you just happen to room with or you just happen to play with once upon a time or you just happen to uh to be on a team with once upon a time patrick graham is a guy with connections to um to flores and so that that raised my eyebrows a little bit but yale graduate that's 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 got to be worth something right um mm -hmm. and uh and he's he is respected i the the reaction from packers fans 
and people close to the Packers is encouraging in that clearly every single person there is like, uh, you know, no, F you, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to lose him. And so that's encouraging. Otherwise, you know, I don't know how much we really know about the guy and whether we can say whether he's going to be good or whether he's not going to be good. Quite frankly, we don't even know if Flores is going to be good on the defensive side of the ball, let alone as head coach. So, um, so I can't say anything with certainty on Graham, certainly. But, um, you know, it's encouraging. He's had good results at different stops and at different positions uh, along the way, uh, like you mentioned, the Giants and, and other uh, places. But, um, and I like the fact that he's a Yale grad. But otherwise, it's like, mm, you know, assistant coaches, assistant coach hires can often be, you know, I've said it before that it's, it's like, um, it's like astrology. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the track record we have as, as far as like predicting how good an assistant coach hire is. Alf, what do you think? What are you, um, what are you well, feeling? Uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the talent that the Packers had on defense, but if there was one unit that actually performed well, it was their linebackers. So, and he was directly responsible for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, what I'm interested in is it looks like Darren Rizzi might be back. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that Eric Studsville is going to be back and mm, possibly Sean. That's Jeffrey. big. So uh, it looks this coaching staff seems to be taking shape and it seems to be taking shape with the guys that we kind of wanted to keep. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I saw the Dole Logans is headed to New York. And while we're trying to emulate the Patriots, the Jets are trying to emulate the Dolphins. That could be a good thing. You no. Know? Yeah. And let's be clear. This is a, we, this is a, we here thing. Um, yes. You know, we hear that yeah. Darren is coming back and and that the, they're they're gonna make whatever accommodations they need to make to have him back and we hear that um that studsville it might actually be coming back as well uh is what you were saying yeah this defense obviously looks like a three four i mean the page the packers run quite a lot of those sort of three three bare fronts that um you know seem quite fashionable at the moment um what do we think about the the personnel that we have currently defensively and how that fits with what they might, because it, it feels like there's going to be a fundamental change in philosophy in terms of, you know, even if we say four, three, uh, the wide nine I th- I, I will disappear, but it looks to all intents and purposes. I mean, you're hiring a guy in Graham who's essentially worked on a 34 front for the last 10 years. And you're hiring a head coach who has spent 19 years or however many years it is at the Patriots working with a 34 front, those amoeba front defenses that Belichick has brought in the back half of the, this season. But you know, these are these are 34 guys in terms of the, those fronts. How do you think we fit? How do you think the philosophy fits with the players that we have? But also knowing that, you know, as we'll get to in a bit, when it comes to the draft and the senior bowl, there are some holes to fill, certainly along that defensive line. Yeah, well, well for one thing, Robert Quinn um, is as gone, as good as gone, because yeah. he fits, he doesn't fit at all. Uh, first of all, he hates playing linebacker. He hated it in, in L.A. Actually forced to trade because he hated it, hated it playing in, in, in L.A. So he can't play it here. And we don't have a five-tech on the entire team. So we might have to spend in free agency for one and probably draft one, too. In, in the, our first, I would say, in the first three rounds, we're going to need one. That's going to have to play plenty of snaps because up front, we're just not adept at it. And who do you trust to play zero? I mean, I, uh, Vince Taylor, Davin Godchow, 
nose tackle potential. I mean, Godchild I can see, but I'm not sure about Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Godchild's got that powerful base, but yeah, I don't think he's ideal, is he? To be a, he's not an ideal nose tackle. You think that Taylor can play as a five technique? Uh, possibly, maybe. maybe. But I mean, it, I don't know if it's range, so much which it, it kind of fits into that mold of what the Patriots have been bringing up over and over and over again. But remember what you talked about, Simon. You, you said they've got these; they've got a lot of bear fronts, and mm. you know these bear fronts aren't necessarily five technique. No, very true. No. We're, talking about, we're talking about we're talking about guard center guard action, and um, and we have the defensive actuals or sorry, the defensive tackles that can uh, staff that approach, I think, um, maybe with just a little bit of tinkering. Uh, the question is, do we have the edge players and the linebackers that can do that uh, in that scenario, I think? Yeah. I mean, that, I suppose that throws up a huge question for um, Charles Harris, mm-hmm. potentially, as, a, as one of those outside guys. Uh, two names draft-wise that sort of come into the mix who are going to be operating. I mean, I certainly when I spoke to him, uh, I spoke to Rashan Gary, and he told me that his perfect playing weight was 283 pounds. Mm-hmm. Rashan Gary comes into the mix as a potential 3-4 defensive end type, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Same, yes, with, same with Ed Oliver, really, who's probably going to weigh in at around the 285 mark. You mm-hmm. could see also stacking up at that, that point. And then yeah, we've talked free agent-wise. Trey Flowers certainly fits into the, the mix. And you know, if we do bring across Brett Bielema, he obviously will have coached him at, at Arkansas, somebody who obviously plays for Flores uh, in, in New England. But those two guys certainly would would stand out as potential candidates if that's the route that we that we go down. But it does feel like there's a lot of work to do, both the outside linebacker and along that defensive line, doesn't it, to 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 really fit um, that philosophy. Yeah, and cool. and in the defensive backs too, if you think mm. about it, because Minka Fitzpatrick is either going to be kept at corner or he's going to be. I think if. Chris Richard was the head coach, and then he'd be kept at corner. And if now that uh, now that Brian Flores is looking like he's going to be the head coach, he's going to be probably back at safety. Yeah, I think he's going to be safety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, Flores has a very strong relationship with Devin McCourty as well. So absolutely. I think that I think that Minka slides in there, and that's what's going to happen. And but that also now opens up stuff at okay. Well, do we do we feel like we have what we need at corner? Outside of um, outside of Xavier Howard, then uh, you know how how much is Flores going to like Bobby um, Bobby McCain? I, I think mm. he's going to like him quite a bit still as a slot. But is there another corner that is now needed? Can we be? Yeah, looking where's at where's your JC Jackson? Where's where's your Malcolm Butler? Where's right. your yeah. you know because you've yeah. clearly got your Stephon Gilmore and you've got your Devin McCourty. Yeah. Um, you know, but where is your JC Jackson? Where's your Malcolm Butler? Where is the guy that plays opposite the, the lockdown? Exactly. Does that, does that open us up for guys like you know Byron Murphy in the first round? If if we're yeah. not if we're off the quarterback thing, and, you know Byron Murphy or uh, DeAndre Baker. I know that you think mm. you, you like him as more of a zone corner, but yeah. I think that's incompatible with what we're talking about e- either. Uh, this sort of defense, because I think that um, they really mix up the coverages uh in in miami and plus you know i i don't have any problems with deandre baker's man coverage. No. i've just always no. been in love with the guy so um so I'm, maybe i'm just in the tank for him but no, um, i mean there's a the, you know it's, it seems like a very you know uh, the, i don't think there's beyond the realm's possibility to assume that greedy williams might still be there at, at 13 if you know that was where you felt like you wanted to go i mean he's kind of rail thin but in terms of man cover corners you know he'd be the, the name that you you potentially looked at but it's um 
yeah, it does no, throw up some intriguing I say, possibilities. I would say this uh, right before we go to break and we talk about the senior bowl. I would say this. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I like Greedy Williams quite a bit. He strikes me as a type of guy that, that Chris Greer would like a lot. It's not completely crazy that they trade up for Greedy Williams. I don't Kyler see Kyler Murray off the board because I think if they trade up and they take Greedy Williams ahead of Kyler Murray, I think this fan base will have a, a conniption. But I don't think it's crazy. Uh, do you think it's crazy? I, I think trading up. I, I don't think they'll. Tra- I think if they do anything, they'll trade down. And I think that you could trade down, and you know, I, I still think there'll be good cornerbacks on the board at say. If you move from 13 to 25, for example, maybe you pick up an extra one next year. I still think there'll be, you know, you could fall into a Murphy, Baker, that kind of area. I don't think, you know, you could drop down even a little bit more and pick up the kid from Penn State or, or, or whatever. I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possible. Or, you, you know, maybe you think that Nazir Adderley can be a guy that you play at safety and keep him in cornerback. You know, there's, a, there's an option for you as well. So I don't think that's, there's too much beyond the realms of possibility in terms of, um, what you can do, I just don't necessarily see us trading up. I don't know about you, Chris. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if we're depends on we're, are we off the quarterback thing? Are we on the court? We haven't. I mean, we haven't really got so much. No, too much. there's so much to go, isn't there? Why yeah. don't we talk about it? Why don't we go to break? Come back. It's the first day of the Senior Bowl. Guys have been measuring up. Guys have been throwing, running around, blocking. We've been watching a lot of the stuff. We sure fill you in with some of the guys that have sort of caught our eye as we move towards draft season, and the three of us kind of do what we've been doing for 25, 30, 35 years, which is studying players, looking at players, and giving you some names to keep an eye out for the rest of the week. But first, this. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Hey, I'm Josh Appel. And I'm Billy O'Rourke. And we are the hosts of Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast, Smark Your Territory, where we bring you the hard-hitting well, wrestling. No, well, not, no, we don't want it. It's not too hard-hitting because you don't want to hurt the other guy. It's more of a dance we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep it. Protect, protect the other guy. Yeah, you want to protect okay, the other so guy. so maybe we'll go more in-depth. Yeah, that's good. That's better. Smark Your Territory, Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast with the most in-depth wrestling talk you'll find. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy, uh, alongside Sniffer Kaufman. I'm pretty sure that was you sniffing. Um, and Alfredo Artiaga. It's the first day of the Senior Bowl, Section 3 here uh, on our weekly podcast. Don't forget all the other stuff that you can listen to on the Five Reasons Network. There's about 64,912 podcasts. I think there's one that launching this week for nose-picking. Um, so, uh, yeah, and Bouncy Castles, I think, is the new one next week. But uh, sniffing. Chris is going to do on sniffing, I think, in your podcast. Call sniffing. me Chris Furster. Yeah, exactly. With the um, with the fella who doesn't clean up his house and eats his own shit or whatever it is, the basketball dude. Um, <laughs> the prostitute fella, I think. Anyway, enough of that. The prostitute After. fella is an interesting <laughs> way to put it. Wow. Yeah, the, isn't that what he is? 
Isn't that well, yeah, technically, uh, he technically he didn't pay for the prostitute. Remember? Yeah, but she was still he a did. hooker, though, right? Yeah, she was. He didn't oh, pay for it. Somebody else did. I thought she was a hooker. Plus, wasn't the whole story that he he ordered a hooker? She came around and his uh, and the, a cat had puked all over his like <laughs> desk or something. But he just fucked her anyway because what the hell? And she just yeah. had to put up with that no, cat. No, sit. I thought I thought that he didn't actually go through with ordering yes. the prostitute he because in or ordering because out. of the cat vomit. He, yes. he felt so, so self-conscious about it. He doesn't strike me as a guy. So he'd been there for a week. Yeah, he could have picked latest, it up In the latest Balls times. cast, in the latest Balls cast, he talks about going to an Asian massage place. Of course uh, he does. He's the prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> He's the prostitute. And not, knowing, and not knowing, let's say, the protocol for how certain things happen at an Asian massage place. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Cat sick and hooker. That's the two presenters of Bulls Cast, anyway. If you're, right. if that, I mean, if that's, I mean, that's Bulls that's Cast. Really just one of the presenters. I mean, it's the, not even anything to do with describe one. It's just about this guy having his nuts dealt with every week. That's why it's called <laughs> Bulls Cast. Anyway, we digress on a massive angle back to the real world. Uh, senior ball kicked off today. Weight measures, all that sort of shit. Hand size. You get, you, you get internet dweebs wanking on about the size of Drew Locke's hands and how big Clayton Thorson's <laughs> balls are and whether or not Karan Higdon has a small penis or a medium-sized penis and whether that's going to drop him or, or, or rise him, I was going to say, but that would have been weird. And Nobody wants to hear about erections. This is not the Bulls cast. Um, anyway. Gardner Mitchell has with... really big hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, you know what they say about guys with big hands, don't you? <laughs> yes. Big Big gloves. They throw the ball well? <laughs> big gloves. Anyway. Let's start with the quarterbacks because that's what everybody gets off on. I think we might as well continue our sordid theme. Daniel Jones is there. Essentially, Ryan Tannehill 2.0 with a weaker arm and less athletic skill. Even wears the same number as Tannehill, the, the Duke kid. We've got Ouch. Will Greer and his pop gun arm. Uh, the, the man who rarely makes NFL, NFL throws. But bizarrely seems to have this cadre of supporters on the internet who, if you ever say anything bad about Will Greer, I mean, they kick up a massive fuss. You've got Drew Locke, probably the... Drew Locke, probably the most refined of them all. Uh, the massive arm, but the small hands. Uh, makes a lot of wild throws. Then will turn around and just do stuff that just makes you want to punch, like, everybody. Um, and then a kind of a bunch of guys. Uh, Brett Rippon. You've got Trace McSorley. You've got Clayton Thorson. You've got Gardner Minshew. Um, you've got Jarrett Stidham. Ryan Finley, Jarrett Stidham, who, to all intents and purposes, performed very well today. Anybody stand out for you guys that you saw today? Or are we, realistically, we're just kind of looking for the number three guy who's going to fit in behind Murray and Haskins or Haskins and Murray, which sounds like a weird law firm. But, um, yeah, what do you think? Well, I, one guy that kind of stood out to me was Gardner Minshew. I thought he had some very good uh, – he looked good handling the ball. He looked good handling a huddle. What I found insane was when I watched the South practice, nobody knew how to take a snap from under center. It mm. was odd. It was odd watching – Four guys not know how to take a snap from under center and getting it's kind of odd. On that. It's odd watching it in college football down now, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. very rare that you see quarterbacks take a snap from under center. Yeah, when really you find bizarre. one, it's like, whoa, that's a, but my god, yeah, it's, it's football, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny this though, should see, be something you should know see, how to do. 
you saw Tua Tungavailo take a few snaps under centre mm-hmm. this season. You were like, wow, a frontline quarterback actually yeah. taking snaps from under center. Kyler Murray so does it regularly. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yes. Oklahoma has always done that, where they, they, they will line up under center for well, run plays particularly. Well, to be fair, Kyler Murray, you know, when, he walks, when he walks up to the line, his head is – He literally – his head is his, under his the, head the, the arch. With the center back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, right go under the legs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's Kyle gonna be Murray great on those sneaks. By the way, he, he is. He's gonna, find, he's gonna find all that space underneath those. <laughs> those legs. It's like one of the. He's like a little Lilliputian. He just like, sits <laughs> sits on somebody's shoelace. And where the fuck's he gone? <laughs> when he, when he measures in at three foot four at the uh, combine, people are gonna blow <laughs> yeah, their stats. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be yeah, amazing. Let me just say this, and then still throw us all over everybody. Let me say this. Let me say this. I've I've been known to make fun of Kyler Murray, and I have some issues on his delivery. And and let's you know, make no mistake, his size is an issue. Okay. Yeah. But uh, watching today, and it's only one day. Okay, and it's only one day in the Senior Bowl, and. You know, it's sure. a senior bowl first day. practice. First, first day is, was day. where the Bulls are. I mean, I know this, these are not excuses, but the Bulls yeah, are slightly I, bigger. Yeah, no, and I, commented, and I commented on Twitter that the balls, that you know, the footballs looked a little bit shiny. They looked like they weren't broken in. In the NFL, mm. they break the balls in. They actually, like, move yeah. them up and scuff them up and oh. get them ready for the game. So Or deflate them a bit. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 Okay. So you saw a lot of you saw a lot of drops and a lot of overthrows. So you could blame some of that. But let me say, after after you know saying all these things about Kyler Murray, it made me appreciate him that much more. Uh, this was not a good day for quarterbacks. Just wasn't. We we could go position by position. Yeah, we could go position by position, but we're probably not going. So why don't we just focus on? Two of the areas which essentially really uh, we we as a team really need to focus on, which is the trenches, the offensive mm. line, uh, and the, there's quite a lot of tackles that we feel like could kick inside. I don't Reisner, for example, being one, but the, the, there's some good name tackles there, uh, and then obviously defensive ends and interior defensive line. And disappointing that Christian Wilkins isn't there, um, but there's the, there's some real talent when you look at guys like Montez Sweat uh, and those kind of guys, and also some sort of mid to late round talent that that has performed well in season and that, you know, that some people aren't really, you know, getting a handle on because they don't really follow college football the way that we do. But some of the guys that stood out for you boys um, today, both on the interior offensive line and then along that defensive front. Well, I would, I would say Montez sweat on uh, among the defensive ends. Yeah. Uh, if we're, if we're going to go out there and we got to figure, figure some stuff out. Uh, he's just, I mean, you know drool all over that guy i mean the way he's built and the way he moves everything about him you know he's got holes in his game from a run standpoint or or at least you know that that's what they want but that's what they want you to believe but then again what position are you asking him to play what system are you asking him to play that makes a difference um so yeah i would i would look there uh offensive line i mean we both like dalton risner uh he had he had, he had a few it's actually Reisner. I heard him oh, give an interview. Okay. Yeah, I heard him give an interview, and he said, um, "I think what Dalton Reisner needs to do is." Uh, he wasn't talking in the third person. That made him sound really wanky. But, um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that that because I've always thought he was Dalton Risner as well. So it was uh. interesting to hear him say. He actually said that he prefers his his best position. He said was right tackle. Um, he, said he feels most comfortable at right tackle, but is happy That's to play. Struggling. Yeah. 
He said he's happy to play inside at either guard spot or at centre. And I know that Jim Jim Nagy, the the director of the Senior Bowl, believes that he's best suited as a centre. Yeah, um, so I. Which is quite interesting. And then you look at some of the guys that played there today. Eric McCoy, a good-looking junior, who I know that our guy Ted Slim at Finheaven, who's a, a just a really, really good uh, evaluator of talent, is a big fan of. Uh, Elton Jenkins, the Mississippi State centre, um, seemed to perform pretty well. Um, you know, there's some talent there. Garrett Bradbury, the NC State center, who's a really good... He stood out today. Yeah, he's a good... Uh, he really moves very well. Uh, and then guys like Rennell Wren on the defensive line, Arizona State. Some of the guys that fly under the radar that you guys, if you don't follow college, follow college football, might not have heard so much of. But Andre Dillard, another guy at Washington State, who I think could end up being the first tackle taken in the draft. You look at some of his tape, you know, and he's a, a, a real... A real talent. Alf, anybody for you that stood out? I don't think the, this uh, is a, ta- a good tackle class, though. So. No, I don't think it's a good tackle. Because, yeah. And I think a lot of these guys can will, will and can. You look at Jonah Williams. Yeah. Know, I know that there are, you know. He can move I, I, think, I think you can make a great case that Jonah Williams could be an all-pro left guard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility at all. And again, if that's what the Dolphins decide that they're going to do, you could easily hear Jonah Williams' name come off the ball at 13 with the plan that you, you plug him in next to you plug him in next to um, uh, Laramie Tunsil, and there's your there's your left side for the next ten years. I don't think, I think that ben is necessarily. Is absolutely, you know, you look at Powers, you look at Cody Ford, you look at Drew Samir, those Oklahoma Oklahoma guys. Yeah. There's some yeah. there's some real talent on that interior. Alf, I stood out for you. Yeah, on the interior, I, I like the Oklahoma guys, but I didn't really see much of them today, and that seems to be something that that goes around as far as these Sooners because remember last year with uh, with Son of Zeus. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, stand out, he, and especially not in the, at the combine. Well, athletically, he was, he yeah. was just athletically. a tragedy. Um, had, a good, had a really good season. Had a good football player, go figure, mm. right? Yeah, but he was really, really, really good. One guy that, that popped all over the screen, I, and I think it, it was, it was kind of odd because we haven't heard a lot about him, Terrell Hanks, the outside mm-hmm. linebacker of New Mexico State. He can yeah. move. That guy yeah, can yeah. run. I tell you who else can run as well, and who played really well is the um, is the kid for uh, Bobby Okariki, the, the linebacker from Stanford. Mm. I thought he looked good today, very athletic. Charles Amenehu as well, the the defensive lineman from um, from uh, Texas. He won uh, the measurements. Yeah, absolutely. Thirty six and a half inch arms. Ridiculous, isn't it? But I saw him. Yeah. I saw him put. He put Dalton Reisner on his ass at one point, which uh, yeah. I thought was interesting. And in fact, there was a couple of Reisner had a couple of. Uh, I think he had back to back Jalen Jelks, who always sort of flashes. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, always doesn't quite look the sum of his parts, I suppose. Yeah. Um, then he struggled against Jelks a little bit, but yeah, no, that's a he's an interesting. The USC, you talked about the USC kid as well, Chris. Yes. Uh, Yes, a couple of USC terrific reps. Yeah. Really terrific reps today. And yeah. I think he was, a, wasn't he a right tackle at the he USC? Was. He was. Yeah. And they had him playing at left tackle, and it was, you know, it was really strong. Um, it was fun. surprisingly good. Uh, so I, actually, I think there, there are some good offenses. You know, what what do we do? Do we do we focus on this with the number 13 overall pick, or do we, do we start using some of those later picks on offensive line? I, Based on what I've seen, and I'm not just talking about that senior bowl today, but also at the Shrine week of practices uh, last week uh, between guys like Joshua Miles and uh, mm-hmm. Ali Udo, who, who ended up coming to the to the senior bowl this week. And then uh, destroyed Deshaun Eximenez at the old yeah. Dominion defense yeah, at, yeah, at one point. Did. Yeah, and, and between the, those guys and some of these small school guys that are coming out of nowhere and really, really performing very well in front of these crowds and uh, in front of these scouts. I think there's a lot of depth here. And so, you know, you can, 
you can pick up quite a few uh, offensive linemen in this draft in the lighter stages if you want to. And I think you can brush them up and and start doing something with them. I think the key is you've got to get a pretty good offensive line coach. And and that's where um, Miami is is supposedly uh, I've I've heard that they've reached out to um, to Dave Guglielmo, who uh, was fired from sort of of nonsensically fired from the Indianapolis Colts, despite a hell of a turnaround that he coached this year uh and he was actually in miami as sort of a part-time consultant when we lost our offensive lineman to uh you know um a little uh, <laughs> uh yeah. rehab but they they, they uh, went from 30, <laughs> the colts went from 32nd in the league in sacks to first in terms of yeah they gave up the most yeah, yeah. two years that's ago. a hell of a turnaround right that's a that's a ridiculous and yeah it was staffed i mean they drafted quentin nelson yeah. they got a and, great performance out of him but they, um, braden smith like as well braden but, you know smith, i mean you know braden smith is a is a rookie and uh mm-hmm. and they got they got uh what's his name mark Lewinsky that was performing yeah. all of a sudden all of, you know anthony costanzo is having his best year i mean it, he really he really coached a hell of an offensive line up there but there because was as good as quentin nelson is you don't stick two rookies on an offensive line and expect them to jump from 32nd to first you just don't absolutely yeah. absolutely and so and miami had this guy as a part-time consultant um in 2017 after uh Furster got canned and uh and so but then they let him go <laughs> they let him go because they just wanted to bring back their own they had their own guy who had been an understudy of firsters who uh you know, jeremiah washburn he was here in 2016 as uh, as firsters assistant and then i think they personally recommended him to Chicago to to um, Adam Gase's old boss John Fox and recommended him up there so he went up there and became the full offensive line coach of the Chicago Bears and then everybody got canned in Chicago that year and Miami had you know Furster gone so they went ahead and brought Washburn back to Miami as the offensive line coach and I think this is part of this you know, only hiring our own guys. That was the wrong guy. Dave DeGuglielmo was the guy that you needed to make your full offensive line coach, and they let him go. And he goes up to Indianapolis, coaches this tremendous turnaround in the Colts' offensive line. Now the Colts have let let him go because he's not Frank Reich's guy. You know, Dave DeGuglielmo was hired when when Josh McDaniels was going to be the head coach, you know, at the direct – uh, at the direct, basically, order of McDaniels himself. And so Frank Reich is like, you know, hey, it's just not – nothing against him. He's just not my guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of my guys. And, um, and I, this is what's wrong with the league, in my opinion. They don't – you know, they ignore the best quality because the, everybody's got to get their guy. So, um, so I, you know, this is an opportunity for Miami to get him back here. And then you can staff with some of these, you know, some of these underrated guys like Josh Miles of Morgan State and, and all these other players that we're seeing in the Senior Bowl right yeah. now. So and interestingly, going to go first round. Yeah. Interestingly, the Jets picked up Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach from the Bengals, which means that obviously despite Gaze knowing Gouge, He's obviously not going to go there. So there was, you know, he's still out yeah. there. And it's clear that Gooch was a was a Josh McDaniels hire um, when McDaniels got the, you know, the Indianapolis job, much like um, much like the defensive coordinator who mm-hmm. had such a fantastic year as well um, in Indianapolis. And, and Frank Reich admitted that it was a, a, an incredibly difficult job to fire Gooch, given that the the amazing performance he put in this year. But he just wanted his own guy, which I kind of understand, and I kind of don't, but. You know, it, fingers crossed it, it, it benefits the Dolphins because God knows, you know, we could do with bringing in a couple of, because it's, you know, looks like there's going to be a couple of rookies starting on that offensive line next season, you yeah. know, probably. 
Um, yeah, probably. You know, and it would be helpful if we had a guy like him. I mean, I wonder if, you know, it'd be great if Brian Flores could just bring, uh, you know, Dante Skarnacki. We'll find out that him and Dante Skarnacki are like brother-in-laws or whatever, or, <laughs> you know, Siamese twins. That'd be nice. Now, um, one thing I was interested in, in watching the, the first day of senior bowl practice was the interior defensive linemen, because God knows we need help there. And I was expecting to see a little bit more from Dalen Mack. Didn't see much. Mm-hmm. But the guy who was, I guess, the star of the of the practice because he showed something athletically, and then did a, a what did what did he do? He did a backflip after like handsprings. He did like handsprings in the at the end of the practice, and then and then did a, a backflip. Kalen Saunders. I don't know much about him. Do you yeah. guys have the front page on him? Because I don't know much about him from Western Illinois. I didn't. I've never seen him play. Well, he, he passes the eyeball test. I mean, if you look at how he's built and the way that he moves, um, he may only be a little bit over six foot, you know, six foot to six foot one. I mean, take take a take a, a look at him versus, you know, Dalen Mack. Dalen Mack is built uh, for tough. Um, yeah. And and he's, you know, he's a big square body and, and stout. And um, and also you, you don't you don't get a feeling that he can really move all that well he just you know he's just a very strong very stout straightforward kind of guy um i think this guy from what i've seen and it's not just the handsprings and and the backflips and stuff this guy can move and Mm. so um so i wonder about i don't know if he's got the speed to go like you know chase out to the sidelines that's not what we're talking about we're talking about ability to move not necessarily straight line speed yeah Um, he's listed at six two three ten yeah, I, th- I know he's under that. I think I think he measured uh, just under six one or something like that. So, but he's he's built really well. He's built really interestingly. I I love looking at the, these guys. This is what I do at Shrine practices when I'm there. The first thing I do is I get among the offensive linemen and I just kind of size them up by being around them, being 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 near them. That's how you can look. I, I identified Josh Miles as a guy that um, that moved really well and was built perfectly you know during stretch <laughs> and that's and, and I'd never even seen him before I mean that's that's what you can do if you if you're able to size them up and look at their body types and look at the way that they move and I, I like that defensive tackle um from what is it Western Illinois or something and actually I know that yeah. I, I know that I have at least one Western Illinois game in my um in my archive so I, I obviously want to go back and revisit it his um his girlfriend went into labor this afternoon. They live in Chicago, and she told him to stay in Alabama and uh, you know make some money, which hopefully he'll be able to do because you know you don't um you don't miss up pass up the opportunity to see your child being born too often. Yeah. But you, you also don't get too many opportunities. I hope he doesn't regret it. Ultimately, you don't get too many opportunities to go to the NFL. That's but, true. Um, you know, you also don't get too many opportunities. And to, and he can make he can make a game. hell of a better life for that child if he if he makes hundred percent. Yeah. Now a position that. Uh, if I don't think we've even mentioned at all since we've been eliminated, but I think that we we're going to be short a guy at that that position because we're not going to. I think we're going to try to jettison Devontae Parker at first asking hmm. his wide receiver, and there's a couple of guys that were that are pretty interesting. We were talking about moving. If you want a guy that can move, my God, did you see Terry McLaurin today for for a high <laughs> He's fast, isn't he? Oh yeah. my God! That that is that that is like next level fast. That is like first round pick fast, maybe. Yeah. Um, and the scariest I, thing I, about him is that he's not even the fastest receiver on his team because that's Paris Campbell. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, and the next gen stats though today um, from the practice they use that uh, the RFID chips or whatever it is the radio chips. 
um, they they had him going like on that deep play where yeah. where he was covered um, by uh, I'm forgetting his name now, um, but uh, on that deep play he was he was the fastest guy of mm-hmm. any practice uh, either of the was practice. Was it twenty two point two? Was he got? Yeah, it was twenty two point two, which would which would qualify in the NFL for among like the fastest high speeds um recorded this year in nfl games i mean that was that's how fast it was and it was just you know it's just the one play and yeah the guy can move but i wonder i mean listen we've got albert wilson we've got jakeem grant um we've got kenny stills i i i have i think we've got deep speed and so i'm I'm not worried about it if we lose Devontae parker i mean would we replace him with another speed guy like that i don't know i don't know if that's the way that i would go uh i think that there are some some other guys that i know that you i know that there's a wide receiver that you like and we were talking about today and introduce our listeners to him yeah, Tyree Tyree Brady. I think I think it's Tyree. Um, yeah. He used to be. I, I, he used to be at the U, didn't he? Yeah, uh, and now he's, he's at Marshall. Yeah, he's definitely a product of Miami. Um, and he used to be at the U. He transferred o- over to Marshall. Uh, and he's. I I watched him uh, in probably twenty. Well, I've seen him for a couple of years. So I wouldn't. I I might have seen him in twenty sixteen, but I'm not. I'd have to check and make sure about that. But I know that he had this ridiculous game against NC State in uh, twenty seventeen, and he had an all right this year. But they they really had. I mean, they had this freshman at quarterback playing most of the time they had a transfer in from Wagner that supposedly had the attention of NFL people and um and even like the quarterbacks coach from the San Francisco 49ers uh had vouched for him and and Phil Sims had vouched for him and stuff like that uh and that just ended up not working out too well they had this freshman playing and it just didn't work out for the wide receivers like Tyree Brady but this guy he measured over six foot two built really well like 209 pounds or something like that and you could just tell he and Debo Samuel at that that first uh, that south practice in the morning were the most Mm -hmm. polished you know best movers most professional looking guys The, the guys that could get off the line that could do things run their routes and and open up with speed and finish plays and and i think that those um tyree brady wouldn't would end up i'm glad he got invited to the senior bowl i think they did a good job that and to actually get him there because that wasn't necessarily obvious to a lot of people yeah um, now he's gonna have to run though he's gonna have to run at the, at the combine yeah for him to move up move up the draft boards but uh you thing is, a- if you're looking for if you're looking for replacements for 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 the size and physical you know in terms of the physical uh traits that Devonte parker brings you know argument one is bryce butler you know because yeah. in a rebuild year in a managed decline year you know you can get by with the bryce butler but this is a drive you look at you know dk metcalf at six four two thirty. you look at aj brown at six two two thirty. Nikhil harry six four two thirty. 230 kelvin harman six three two fourteen hakeem butler six six two twenty five jj yeah, JJ Arcega Whiteside, 6'3, 225. Debo Samuel, 6'1, 210. Riley Ridley, 6'2. He's actually under six. <laughs> oh, is, is that yeah. what he meant? Okay. Yeah, he measured, even, pa- even Paris Campbell is 6'1, 208 on the thick. unofficial. I mean, he, yeah, absolutely. But, but you know, uh, if, you're looking for, if you're looking for bigger guys, you know, mm-hmm. this is the year. You know, Demarcus Lodge, 6'3, 204. The guys are yeah, out I just there. saw him last week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's you know, there's the, you got the small guys, the Hunter Renfro's and the Andy Isabellas. No, look at David Stills. I mean, David um, Stills. David yeah. Stills, even. Uh, you yeah. know, he's a big guy, former quarterback, came to West Virginia as a quarterback. Now is the number one target of Will Greer, and uh, you know, he's going to play a lot on Sundays. The, the Hell, 
real talent guy, out there. A guy came from nowhere, from Princeton last week at the Shrine game, Jesper Horstead, and Ooh. measured in like, you know, six foot two, six foot three, 220 pounds or something like something like that. He was, I mean, you, you stood you stood next to him and you look at how he's built. He's built. I mean, this is a big guy. And he's coming from Princeton and he's making plays. He's making plays in practice. He's clearly a guy that can, you know, listen, are these guys stars? Are they, um, are they the next Antonio Brown or, you know, whoever you want to say? Um, I don't know, but they can clearly feed the machine. Okay. They can, some of these guys have the talent to where they're going to get on team. If you've got that quarterback and you've got a system and everything, then these guys, they feed the machine. They can go out there and they can make plays. They can catch balls, run routes. And, um, and all, all these guys have the talent to do that. And you just, you know, do you have, do you have a spot in your team? You need a, a bigger guy like this. And okay, well then let's plug let's plug these guys. There's plenty of those guys out there to to do that, and that's what's striking about it. But it all comes back to you know you got to have a quarterback first before you can do that. And yeah. and that's why you know bring it back to the Senior Bowl today. And to echo your point, Alf, um, it, all of the guys had their challenges. Gardner Minshew probably had the best day among yep. all of them in terms of just pure performance, completing his passes and stuff like that. But let's keep in mind, Gardner Minshew doesn't have a great arm, and he didn't show it today no. either. Uh, no, guys saw, like you saw yeah. when, when when they were doing the 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 two read stuff mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. of the play action. That ball was dipping. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't sticking. And and these are not these are not really really deep throws. These are these sure. are you're talking about 14 yards. But then you go to the other the other high high caliber guys at the practice, Will Greer and or highly rated guys, Will Greer and Daniel Jones, and you wonder, do they have the arm strength? Now we've picked on yeah. Will Will Greer's arm strength many times, I think, on on the show and on Twitter and privately. Um, but to his credit, he went out there and he 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 revved it up today. He revved up the arm. And it showed in the next gen stats. I get asked about this on Twitter because I I, mm. I criticized his arm strength and and before all this stuff, the next gen stuff had even come out. I said, you know what it looks like he's done today because he had an atrocious day. I mean, he had an yeah. absolutely he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. What what it looked like he did today is he just revved up his arm and over delivered everything and was trying because he was trying to impress the scouts with his uh, with his velocity. And when you do that, you know your accuracy can break down. And I think because because he's not in that he wasn't operating today in the same comfort zone that he was in West Virginia. His comfort zone, the ball speed that he was used to working with at West Virginia, the kinds of balls that he was throwing were not the kinds of balls he was throwing today. And so today he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But if he just would have you know dialed it down and been more comfortable, then he'd have been completing passes like Gardner Minshew would. Have. Yeah, and this is some, this is something that our listeners can test on their own. Really, uh, go out absolutely or, go out front <laughs> or go to your backyard and find yourself somebody to throw a football with and throw the football as hard as you can, and you're going to notice that it's going to dip low left or dip low right. And Yeah, you might even get an impressive velocity. <laughs> yeah, and that's what was happening with Will Greer today. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's evident right there. It's like on, it's on the tape. And I think some of that happened with Daniel Jones a little bit too. I think that he calmed down and just started performing in the team. Like, and, and cause I noticed it like the ball wasn't coming out hot in his team stuff. And, um, and I think that he just got back to that comfortable level and started completing passes, but there were portion, like there were a couple of, um, a couple of plays screen passes where he has to turn and throw and, and hit a guy out in the, the perimeter real quick, you know, as quick as you can uh, and throw it, drive it 
as hard as you can so that the guy has lots of run after catch ability. And <laughs> I got Carter Donick, uh, who's a, a guy on Twitter that I follow. He said that uh, they came out like knuckleballs and actually hit the fence. <laughs> well, the <laughs> and, fence was open. <laughs> yeah, and that's a perfect example of what happens when you when you're you're a guy that has a comfort zone uh, in terms of your ball speed and your velocity yeah. that you normally throw with, mm-hmm. and then you try and over deliver it and you try and rev it up to try and impress somebody. And yeah. I think that that's what happened to Will Greer today. We'll see. So I, I didn't mean to ever say that Will Greer could never find NFL velocity if he reached for it, because it, there is a throw or two that you could point to on tape and say, wow, you know, there's one in particular I can think mm-hmm. of that's like I had to triple check it because it stood out so much compared to all the rest of the, the hundred throws that I've looked at for him. But, you know, he can get hold of a ball and he can drive it with NFL velocity. It's just, is that where he's comfortable? I think John Beck had this problem. John Beck had this problem at BYU. We all talked about it and like, everybody's like, ah, oh, does he have a strong arm? But then he shows up at the combine and gets a great radar gun reading and we're like, oh, you know, he does have a strong arm. He does, you know, go back, you'll find more deep balls and stuff like that. But really what it was is he, at BYU, he was throwing with touch and he was lofting the ball everywhere. He wasn't driving it into small windows or throwing NFL distances with NFL speeds. And then when he got into the NFL, he even said this. He's like, you know, yeah. college level, you throw with touch. At the NFL level, they want you to, they want you to throw throw with uh throw with heat so i'm just gonna grip it and rip it and throw with heat well he did and he fell apart as a, as a player because he was trying to throw with heat everywhere it it ruined him mm-hmm. and um and and i think i i get worried that that's going to happen with a guy like will greer who's not used to actually throwing on the other hand drew Locke just throws with pace everywhere yeah right? we've been we've <laughs> been ripping it all over. these quarterbacks so let's praise one but mm-hmm. i know that simon has shared some concerns with well, myself and with you, Chris, Drew Locke looks an, like an absolute Adonis in 7v7. And he was just slinging it all over the field today. Your concerns, Simon, which I know that I share. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, you watch him and you watch him for 10 or 12 plays and you think, God, he's sexy. This is great. And then he just does stuff that just makes you just want to poke your eyes out. I mean, he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll just... Um, He'll miss just easy layup throws. He'll mm-hmm. throw behind open receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll just do really stupid things. He'll throw costly interceptions. Then he'll turn around and absolutely rifle a ball between three defenders where he's got absolutely no right to do it. And you'll just think, God, he's, I mean, just make those throws all the time. And, you know, NFL superstar is within your grasp. And then, boom, back you come with another brain fart. And you just, you just think, you go from looking like you're, you know, a late round undraftable quarterback to being Dan Marino, and I don't know how you, I don't know how you overcome that. Do you overcome that with coaching? Is it? I, I don't know what it is. What what makes it? And it, it reminds you of somebody like a Jay Cutler or yeah. a, a Matthew Stafford in a way, and it makes you worry about whether or not you're investing that higher draft pick in somebody who is going to have a massive arm and will hit some massive throws for you and then we'll turn around and just be you know throw such costly interceptions on dumb throws you know when you watch i was just going to say when you watch these quarterbacks you get an appreciation for over and over and over and over again as we we've done you've done um you get an appreciation for just how many things they have to process and how many oh, things they have to remember on every yeah. play. And it seems like a guy like uh, Drew Locke just seems – every single play, he's going to forget something. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's going to forget some little detail of the position on the play, uh, of the full full and complete A-plus execution of the play. And well, it's just a matter to... of what it is because it's rotating. Yeah. 
go back to Tony <laughs> go back to Tony Romo at the um in the AFC Championship game and look at what he was able to process as yes. he got to the line of script. You know, as as the two teams got to, he knew what was coming and he went through that period of. They're going to run to this side. They're going to do that. Is Gronkowski lined up wide? Yes, he is. If he's lined up wide, they're either going to do this or that. Look yeah. where the you know on the on the final drive, the the throw that set up in overtime that, that set up the the Burkehead touchdown, where he said Gronkowski that wide again. If the safety takes a step inside, Brady's going to hit him. This was the play that Peter King wrote about. And said there wasn't even in the playbook. It was just something McDaniel's had seen on tape in the third quarter and saw that mm-hmm. the safety tended to drift inside a couple of yards. Eric Berry was lined up on the outside with him. Uh, as soon as the safety took two steps inside, the, you know they knew that they were going to Gronkowski. The ability to be able to do that in such a short space of time, to be able to read, to be able to see, mm-hmm. to be able to understand who's where and what they're going to do and how that plays into what you're about to throw at them, I just don't think Locke can do that on a consistent enough basis to make you worry that he's going to do anything other than just make a ridiculous pass that's going to make you want to take your hair out. Because he's always going to forget something. Like exactly. it's, He's going to forget to look off the safety. He's going to yeah. forget to take some off of the uh, the short dump. He's going to forget to he's going to forget to float, or he's going to he's going to choose the wrong ball for this particular route. Like he's going to he's going to drill it when he should be uh, showing some touch, or he's going to feather it. You know, he's going to feather it when he should be drilling it. Yeah, you know? he's absolutely infamous for breaking running backs' fingers. Uh, yeah, for, for no apparent reason, really, and he did it today too. Like there, there was a couple of plays where he was just smoking it on on a little five yard option route. Like you know, th- those are recipes for disasters for for interceptions that go the other way because you know that thing's coming in hot. It's coming in at around fifty eight miles an hour, and you're going to try to catch that. It's going to pop up. Linebacker's going to pick it off and take it to the house. That does yeah. actually remind me a little bit of Tannehill too, because I think he's also a guy that you know always tends to forget some minor detail. Yes. And- and and it ends up you know it ends up, it can doesn't always end up bite, biting you but it can end up biting you and that's how you get these uneven performances yeah all right now we got to get out of here but very quickly uh, i'll go to each of you we haven't mentioned him at all but he's kind <laughs> of interesting he's big strong good arm tyree jackson Simon, what is it, what are his NFL prospects? Oh, I mean, I think he's clearly got prospects, and I think he'll probably end up going in the top 100, 110, because I think people wow. will see a, uh, I, I just think people Chris, will see a moldable piece of clay, a mm-hmm. malleable kind of, you know, he's raw. Uh, I, I look at his mechanics, and I think they need work. But, you know, he, uh, what is he, six foot seven? Six and yeah, he's a full six seven. Yeah, I mean, that. In a way, that's a concern because you remember back to Dan Maguire, the Seahawks quarterback, he was six yeah. eight and was taking the first round. And it was almost half his problems with the fact that he was almost too tall in yeah. a way. And you worry about, but actually, what what Jackson can do if you see Buffalo players, he can manipulate the pocket. He can he can make yards with his feet. He's not a statue certainly back there. He's got a big arm. He can make big time throws. I, I just think teams may see a guy that uh, and just look a little bit. Look, it only takes one team to fall in love, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And I think he's raw, um, and that's obviously uh, you know the level that he's playing at. Um, I mean, I didn't even think he was the best quarterback at, at, at Buffalo. I thought the kid <laughs> that transferred to Murray State was was better than him, uh, yeah. Drew Anderson. But um, I, I think teams are going to fall for him, and I think um, you know he'll be somebody that if you get a good quarterback coach, it's going to take a while. But I think you might have so you know. Because uh, reading up on him, uh, clearly he likes to learn. He, he was very coachable at Buffalo. People who knew the program, I think um, you might just have a, a, a piece of clay that in two, three, four years' time might be worth something for you. For me, he's not. That, that's not a path I, I particularly would go down. But I 
and see some teams doing that. I agree with you that it's not a path that I would go down. And ultimately, well, I've been talking about him since we started looking at Drew Anderson and, and Buffalo. And because at the same time, you notice Drew Anderson and some of the record-breaking stuff that he did during his short stint at Buffalo in 2017, you notice Tyree Jackson. You're like, whoa, this kid is like six foot six, six foot seven, and yeah. 250 pounds. I mean, he's all of it. And uh, and he's probably going to run like a four seven at that size. I mean, he's got he's got straight line foot speed, and uh, and oh by the way, he's got like a cannon arm. Uh, so this is Jesus. You know, of course you're going to look at this guy. He's super toolsy. But at the same time, it's like you said. I mean, to say raw is is understating. I mean, they were talking about on the Senior Bowl uh, uh, broadcast. He used to have to teach himself how to throw by watching youtube videos oh, um, wow. because he didn't ha- he didn't have coaching he didn't have his own his own coach like coaching him up in high school um so he's he's learning how to throw a football off youtube videos and it shows because he doesn't have a very natural stroke and and also his footwork is just absolutely atrocious i say he has frankenstein feet because it looks like he's got cinder blocks taped to his feet when he's trying to just work the pocket and and use his feet and tie his feet in with his arm or his eyes and what he's reading. I mean, it's it's really terrible. He doesn't change his feet, even though he changes his reads and changes his throws. I mean, it just it, they just stay still. Now, when you get him on the hoof and he moves, he can run. He can run fast. Yeah. But I think that you know because of those heavy feet, that's why I think people tend to shy away from the guys that are six foot seven or six foot eight is because they tend to have really heavy feet. And um and he he falls directly into that. And I think that Simon's right in that. Some coach is going to say, this is a moldable lump of clay. And yeah, he's, I mean, he's obviously extremely raw and maybe we can build him. If he's that coachable, maybe we can build him up completely and I can make him a star. I mean, that's, that's what some guys are going to say. So uh, so it'll be interesting. All right. Well, we got to get out of here, bro. I'll give you two more guys to watch. Watch the two Hurricane defensive backs, John Johnson, <laughs> Sheldrick Redwine. I'm a big fan of Sheldrick Redwine. He will play in the NFL and play well, have a decent career. Six, seven, eight years. All right. That's it. Next week is Super Bowl week. Patriots are in it. We'll get back to you next week. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.